Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Welcome to Exploring Missions. And today on Exploring Missions, I am honored to have our guest. Now, I'm always pleased to have many of our guests, but I'm honored today. We have with us William Levy and his daughter, Abijah. And they're from South Sudan. And we're here at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. And they were here in a booth not far from the American Family Radio booth. And uh, we met them and asked them to be interviewed. And we're thankful you could be here, William. Thank you, Bert, for inviting us to this to American Family Radio. The name is well suiting. I appreciate you, um, you know, thinking of us. I think... Um, if not mistaken, this is not the first time I, you have interviewed me many, many years ago, and I lost touch. I wrote a book called The Bible, The Acts, you know, and I, I was promoting it regarding the plight of the persecuted church and my own personal testimony growing up in South Sudan. And, and uh, that was 2004. So here we came to NRB, and I, I had no idea that uh, you will be here. And then yesterday, in God's providence, we met, and I'm very grateful to give an update on what has been happening in Sudan. Well, we're thankful you could be here, and Abijah, thank you for coming as well. Thank you for having me. And uh, 15 years old. Yes. And the oldest of six and seven about to be yes. delivered, right? Yes. yes. Amen. And uh, so tell us a little bit. I know you are here in the States, but you go back and forth to Sudan. Tell us how many times you've been over there and how many passports you have <laughs> that you've had to get. Yeah, well, I've been to South Sudan 10 times. I go over here with my family um, once or twice a year. It's It's been a wonderful uh, childhood <laughs> growing up, being able to go mm. to places where not many people are able to go. They're not able to go there. <laughs> yeah, and um, I have exhausted three passports so far. And, um, <laughs> How many? Say, repeat that. Three. <laughs> Three passports. Yes, I've been okay. going since I was nine months old. At 15, you yes. may be going on a record. <laughs> well, it is good to have you as well. Thank you. And what I want you to do to begin with, tell us the history of why there's a South Sudan and a Northern Sudan. Excellent. First and foremost, I just wanted to also bring greeting from my wife and uh, children who are not here with us. Hannah, my na her name is Hannah. And also, I want to bring greetings from our field staff in South Sudan. Uh, they are not here, but we're presenting their voice. And uh, yes, uh, I think to discuss the, the situation, the current situation in South Sudan, we cannot do it without discussing the overall scope of what Sudan has been all about as a country. Uh, Sudan, uh, South Sudan as a nation now has been independent of the North since 2011. And, uh, you know, Sudan, uh, South Sudan is part of Northern Sudan, which was, until 2001, the largest country in Africa with 2.5 million square miles. But uh, the people who live in Sudan, uh, predominantly Islamic to the north, Muslim, Arabs, uh, African who, who basically were Islamized and become Muslim, and the South is predominantly African and Christian. 
So that set the stage for the conflict that we uh, we know of that has displaced millions of people and the conflict that erupted in in 1956 that dragged up to 2005. So you talk, you're talking about a span of 50 years of uh, a country, uh, you know, fighting for her identity. By that I mean the Islamic regime to the north has tried by all means to eradicate the Church of Jesus Christ from this huge beautiful nation and they want to islamize uh, the whole region and when we talk about sudan biblically speaking you know the the, the history of the church predate islam in the region <laughs> and uh, for 800 years christianity the Nubian christian uh, kingdom flourished in northern sudan and uh, part of south sudan for years and then came the islamic conquest in 700 a.d that's how today you think of sudan as islamic country christian history has been just like forgotten however the lord has raised up uh, a b- the body believers in south sudan that has not been extinguished from this atrocity so and why i come into this is that I was born in a generation where uh, Islamic regime, which is uh, led by Islamic Brotherhood, uh, tried to basically Islamize the entire region. And that brought a lot of uh, uh, war, displacement, and a complete utter destruction. So from 1956 to uh, 55 to, 50, uh, to 72, we had a war that sent uh, my generation, I was born in um, late mid-60s, and we moved to Uganda. My parents took us there. Uh, we live in a Ugandan wilderness as refugees. We knew nothing other than basically living in, in the wilderness. And uh, the UN was another element trying to, uh, you know, take family out of Sudan and basically make welfare global welfare out of that. My father refused with my mother. Your father refused yeah, to yeah. do that. He, he refused to go into a refugee camp and he went and opened a wilderness in Uganda. We thrive and uh, they taught us the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is talk about teaching the children the word of God, loving God with all the, uh, your heart and mind and teach them to the children. Right. So in the midst of all this chaos, my parents taught us the word of God and instilled the word of the Lord Jesus in, into our hearts. And uh, so we, we lost everything, but we have the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's how we persevere in the first phase of the war in 1919, uh, from 656 to 72. And then there was a brief period of, what you can say, peace. Yeah. Uh, But with Islam, there's no peace because they don't understand peace. It's only done in their own term. They can get deception in agreement with with what they say, infidel, and then they can break it. It's Quran is full of lies and deception. So they signed an agreement with the South. It didn't last. It went up to 1982. Another way erupted. Again, they, their plan was to control the Nile Valley because South Sudan is very strategic. It was one time called the breadbasket of Islamic world because of its uh, riches and, yes. and uh, beauty. But as, as that were erupted, my generation again was sent back into exile. Well, in, let me ask you this. Before yes. I, remember where you are. Yeah. Was it your family and other families that went into the Uganda or yes. was it your family alone no it was not my whole family alone it's the entire village is a village went from yeah. sudan to the uganda yeah, no oh. only that yeah entire village and entire county entire state entire country bordering uganda were all evacuated and it was uh, is now left the region was left to south sudanese who are fighting 
the war of uh, liberation or the war of uh, uh, freedom fighter who are fighting for our own uh, our own country against his, this Islamic tyrants. So the civilian population was emptied. And the country was basically left as no man's land. The Muslims said they made this commitment. They said we don't want people, we don't want animals, we don't want fly. They, they said they can they can kill anything moving if they want the land. That was what their plan was. So the whole area was deserted. Okay. For over uh, that was over fifteen years uh, at one time, and then again. In '82, they started. They it started over. again, and then that's the, that led to the massive displacement that brought me to the United States. Okay, and you've been in the United States since 1988. 1988. 1988. But was you married then, or did you marry over here? I came here as a single man. Single man. Yes. I okay. Came, uh, before I can talk to you about being here, I came to the Lord. In 1977, okay, uh, because of the teaching of my parents, I went to my fa grandfather's church, and there I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And uh, I think that was something so remarkable that I will never forget, because yeah. my grandfather wanted to make sure that I know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and that I am not doing this not because of them or uh, not because of my parents. But that I, you know, I hold on Jesus for myself. Yes. And he took us through teaching and discipleship. And one of the things that he wanted to make sure that I really understand what I'm, I'm, I'm believing, he, he put the Bible and Acts on the table and uh, as a real test. And he said, okay, grandson, here, here are your weapons and uh, your spiritual warfare. Uh, which one will you pick to fight? Yeah. And uh, he, he said, here they are. My hand went on the Bible, and Amen. he was uh, he broadly smiled and he said, "You have received the right teaching because the Bible is is a whole counsel of God. It's good for teaching, for correction, for rebuke, for exhortation, and uh, for teaching. And a man a man of God who is equipped with this thing will lack nothing. Amen. And then our warfare is not physical; it's spiritual. Yes." Uh, we need to pray, you need to be on our knees, and what you, the, the Word of God is everything you So need. that was your grandfather, yes. and it's been handed down to your father and yes. mother, and now to you, and you're giving it on to the next generation? Absolutely. Amen. I think that's the biblical uh, mandate, isn't it? Amen. Amen. It is. Because the Bible says, train a child the way they should grow, and when they are adult, they will not depart from it. Yeah. You know, His Word is a lamp onto our feet, a light unto our path. I didn't know that I would be sitting in front of you and talking about the plight of the <laughs> Pascal Church in Sudan here in 2018. You know, this was 77. Uh, mm -hmm. when, so that has been my journey. So when the war erupted in 1982, I was a young man uh, that Islamic government wanted to conscript into the Islamic army to go and kill my brother and sisters and destroy my village and to deny my faith as a Christian. And that's when I took stand. And uh, the, gospel, the, the, the gospel is a stumbling, is a rock of offense. And also Jesus said, if you deny my name in front of men, I'll deny your name, you in front of my father. So, and there's no name on earth or in, in the planet, in the entire universe by which mankind is saved, except Jesus, the, the name of Jesus Christ. Only shall bow and all will confess. So to convert to Islam, to, uh, to reject uh, my savior, I say, I rather die. I rather, I rather die. Every Christian who believes sincerely, 
will be persecuted. So that's what uh, cost me uh, pretty much almost my life. Uh, but in God's providence, I was able to come to the United States in 1988. I was only 23 at the time. 1988, you came to the United States. Yes. A 23-year-old yes. man. Okay. So, so when I got here in the state of New Jersey, in fact, I didn't even go to New Jersey because that's where I wanted to go. I got lost. <laughs> <laughs> that's like being at the uh, this this hotel. It's easy to get lost, right? <laughs> yes. I, I got lost on the way to Washington, D.C., and then I made Newark, New Jersey, my home. Okay. And at that time, you know, I had to come to the reality of being in America. I had to be legal. I had to follow the rules. I have to f- obey the law of the land. You know, it's not just, uh, you know, I, you know, it's, it's not just an open border. So I have to, I have to follow the, the, what the, the immigration policy says. And I had to work uh, because the Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. So I had to work. I was going to school full time, working full time. And I went to engineering school. I graduated in less than four years with a degree. In engineering. In engineering, manufacturing engineering. That's good. New Jersey of Technology. By that point, but my head was big. I I was was very prideful kind of thing. But God is saying, "Uh uh-uh. That's not what I brought you here for. I have uh, brought you here on a mission. Look back to your country of origin, where you came from. Your father was killed for his faith. Your mother was sent back to exile with your sibling and now two million people die and they are crying and they believe in Jesus Christ and four point something million people are displaced. You think by coming here you are now better off? It's like Mordecai confronting Esther in the king's palace. Yes, yes. So that is, that's uh, that's how uh, maybe you have some questions. And and right now the name of the ministry is Operation Nehemiah Missions. Yes. Why Nehemiah? Well, it was 1993 when I came out of uh, engineering school. I was challenged by the book of Nehemiah. Challenged. I met Richard Wombrandt, the founder of Voice of the Martyrs. Yes. He was alive at the time. And he was speaking about Sudan, and he was challenging a Messianic congregation that I was a part of in New Jersey. And he said, there's a country in Africa called Sudan. The Christians suffer. The persecuted church is there. And you do something about it. Okay. And he asked the pastor. And I was sitting there. And I knew he was talking about my country. And I thought he was talking even directly to me. And he didn't know me. So at that point, he's like, wow. So when I met with him, and then uh, he said, you need to be a voice here. And then the next day, I picked the book of Nehemiah. I was reading it. Mm-hmm. And I say, in, you know, God is asking you to go back. But now I wanted to do my engineering work. I wanted to work, you know. How can I reconcile the two? But he said, I call you. Amen. So long story short, 1996, I relinquished my engineering career completely and to focus on this work now. Uh, there's been over almost 25 years. You've been doing this yeah, work. I never look back. And as w- this ministry started at that point, that is not s- South Sudan. There, there was no country called South Sudan because the Muslims were determined to eradicate the church completely and basically take over. So we were dealing with the refugee situation, a crisis, thousands of them in Uganda, inside Kenya, 
Some are in, this, in, in IDP camp within the country. So we are basically to educate Americans, Christians, like what is happening. You talk about... Are I, they going back to Sudan now? Yeah, yeah, going back and forth. Uh, uh, at the time, I couldn't go, but I set up a base there already. Okay. Uh, working with the fellow uh, South Sudanese who have not left the country and who are in the refugee camps. Right. Who left the country, but they're not in the States. Uh-huh. They are in Uganda and Kenya. So they were championing the work. They go, they sneak inside South Sudan, where they, they go in the war zone. They take pictures and they send them video to the United States and they show us what it is, what was going in the country. So I, I'm like their voice. I go out and raise support and raise awareness. We send support. We went to the U.S. Congress and we 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 asked the at the time uh, Bill Clinton was the president uh, to and we we asked for help. But at the time, even the Sudan Peace Act, I don't even know about this. Sudan Peace Act was uh, assigned by the Congress. Bill Clinton vetoed it twice. He didn't want he it. He vetoed it twice? He vetoed it twice. He vetoed it twice. Uh, but then George W. Bush signed it into law after 9-11. Uh, till then, nobody knows what's real going to the Christians there in right. Sudan. Right. So it was voted into law, and that led to now the division of the country in, in 2005, 2011. And South Sudan now is a self-standing country. South Sudan is an independent country and is a is a uh, is a one hundred and ninety third country in the world. Okay, the newest of all of them is Amen. South Sudan. Is there peace there now, or is there still? Well, when we got our independent, um, we as an organization, we I moved back to my home state uh, where I grew up. I open up the land that my father gives, has left for us, to, and we turn into ministry. We, uh, like, how do you rebuild a country from nothing? It's like a tornado and uh, a strong storm came through a town, but this is a country, wiped out everything. Nothing was left unturned. Now we have rebuilt it. So we, we uh, now you answer your question, how does, uh, why Nehemiah? Nehemiah was rebuilt the Jerusalem yes, Wall. Yes. And we have rebuilt the, the church. We have rebuilt the family. We rebuilt our individual life for Jesus Christ. We're back on the Great Commission. We're taking one family, one church, one community at a time. So we are embarking on the Great Commission. Uh, we cannot have the peace that we look for in South Sudan with the, the man-made peace. And we have seen the impact of that uh, man-made peace, which is now United Nations base. It, it is plunged the nation back into war. The South Sudan is at, at each other, at, at war with each other now. The North will not rest because they didn't like South Sudan to be independent. So they're perpetuating violent and uh, rebel activities in the country. So the country is, uh, to, tell, to tell you the least, it is an unstable country as we speak. Okay. The peace is not as we we expected. The peace is now within the heart of individuals, as Jesus said. The peace that I give you is not as the Lord, you know, is not as the world gave. Yes. No, don't be afraid. Trust in. So um, we are now working there in the midst of chaos. I will say chaos. Right. Uh, why? As the Muslim regime left, the country remained uh, undeveloped. There are many, many families displaced, no food, construction, infrastructure zero. Is the agricultural part of it when it was the breadbasket? Is it 
Is it a real possibility of really uh, developing that? It is the, the best possibility ever still exists for that nation. Yeah. The country is, is rich, is tropical Africa. Yeah. Now, the problem we have is that as the Muslim government moved northwards, they haven't taken the country. Physically, the country is still there in the hands of South Sudanese. What they have taken, though, is the, the massive undermining of the family structure yeah. and, the, and, the, and the mind of the church. Destroyed that. Destroy that. That's what Satan does, kill, steal, and destroy, and he used that. Exactly. So now this is what we are facing. So you have young generation, maybe five layers of 50 years you're talking about, young people coming back. They are having this, they think somebody owned in something. They don't want to work. They want to live in a big city like Juba, and there's no job there. And 90% of our food is imported from Uganda. I cry. My father will not stand for this. He, the generation of my father will not stand for this kind of life. These are, they were hardworking people who work with their own hands. So this is the vision we're bringing into the community. I got you. So yeah. right now, it's, it is rebuilding from the ground up. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and when Nehemiah went back, he had to clear the rubbish before they could build the wall, you know. Amen. And so I know Abijah. As you have uh, been born here in the United States and made your way back to Sudan, and you see, have you developed a heart for the country of South Sudan? Yeah, um, you know, I've been going there ever, like ever since before South Sudan became South Sudan, and um, to, to see the progression between then and now, it's amazing. But there still is so much that needs to be done, um, and you know, to change the perspective of the people, and um, there's just um, a lot, like a lot of the children, people in my my own generation, people my age and older, they don't know anything about you know gardening. They don't know how to plant their own food. They don't have basic life skills, and they're they're very, <laughs> it's kind of, they're lazy, yeah. and um, they don't they don't have Christ, and they they yeah they don't have the peace of Christ in their hearts. So it's a and, whole ministry. What you yeah. guys are talking about, you're yeah. talking about the spiritual, the physical, yeah. the I mean the mental Absolutely. about. Yeah. So, and the best place to start that is that relationship with Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And and so, tell me a little bit about the people that you work with in Sudan that are part of the ministry of, of Operation Nehemiah. Yeah, when we came in 2004, I realized uh, a mission organization, even though founded by South Sudanese who live in the States, I have dual nationality, I'm a U.S. citizen, I'm not a South Sudanese, but at the, at the time there are people on the ground there, uh, the way, only way a mission can succeed if you raise up the nationals on, in the right. land where yes. the mission is being based. So my focus from 2004 uh, to date, because that's where we're actively on the ground, is to to, uh, to disciple individuals to repent from their way of life, embrace Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior, and see the family as a model for, uh, after which the church is, you know, the, the church is model after the family. So we, uh, we have been discipling individuals who are saved now. So some of these young people, young men who are working with, now, with us now, uh, they, they came from Uganda some are cohabitating, some are weak Christian. They, they, don't, they, are, they say they're Christian, but they don't know, they don't have a, what it is, it is to be a, a, a born again Christian. Jesus said, well, you know, we are not being transformed. The mind has to be transformed. We have to live 
for him, we are not saved into dead works. We are saved unto good works. Good works. So, so we see good works now coming out of this man. Like our our country director was was a young man who came in, who stepped into the ministry at the age of twenty three in, in two thousand and nine. He is now married. His name is Timothy and his yeah. wife Joyce. They have five children, <laughs> and uh, beautiful, grounded. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we have uh, a radio station there run by uh, seven staff. This, this man, uh, they have never stepped outside Sudan before. Now, but they have the hard work. They are managed this radio on their own. Yeah. You know, we just give them the tools. We have opened over 200 acres of land, you know, and these people came from exile. They say, we want to work, give us the tool. Yes. Now they are they are, they are they are working with their own hands. They are producing bananas, oranges, uh, sorghums, and uh, they are producing all kinds of This year alone, they produce over twenty thousand uh, kilograms of uh, um, of corn okay. uh, by themselves. Yeah. Now the UN is telling them or the world three point five million South Sudanese children will die of starvation. We need uh, we need a one point something billion dollars to help them, and I and and, and I say they don't need that. No, no, three point five million children in South Sudan will die of starvation if we just do this thing that we're doing. So you, you've got the soil, you've got the land, yeah. got the people. Yeah, you who just want, need to set free to do it. Who, who want to work and who are doing this thing? And we have uh, we plant the churches. We have two churches, and at least there are a thousand people in each church. And we have a gospel radio station raising at three hundred foot tower. Yeah, and I was sitting on two thousand four eight hundred feet mountain. Uh, reaching to over half a million people in South Sudan wow. and Uganda, Amen. run by South Sudanese. We team up with American missionaries like yeah. you, yes. sometimes come on a short-term mission. But even American missionaries say, this is, this, you are it. You need to do this. We want to lift up your arms. But ultimately, it's your call. Amen. We were collaborating. Well, you know? I want to thank you for being here today. This has been uh, one of my favorite interviews that I've done over these three years. And you. you have a website. Yes. And they can count you at Levy Family at OperationNehemiah.org, or you can go to OperationNehemiah.org. OperationNehemiah.org yes. is your website. That, that's right, Operations, plural. That's plural, it. that's S, yeah. all lowercase. Yeah. And can, how can, I know we can pray for you, yes. but in about two minutes, okay. uh, how can people help? Well, many times people want to help South Sudan. They don't know how. Right. And they see since the country become independent, many have abandoned. They say it's an independent country. We don't care. You know, we, we focus on something else. But many people say it's too much. I can't just take it. But if you want to really understand what's going on, we are fa- putting the face to the situation. Operation Mayor Missions, we're actively involved. We go there every every year, three to four months. We have active project going on. We are rebuilding the church, giving people clean water, medical facility, radio broadcasting, agricultural development, and uh, discipling the family. And uh, this is concurrently going on. And uh, we have uh, a beautiful website. You can get in there and help us. 
we come to NRB to get exposure. Yes. And to collaborate with the with the fellow brothers and sisters in the Great Commission. So you can pray for us, but also, as Jim says, if your brother is hungry and your brother has no clothes, you know, you can just say, go and farewell. You need to help them. So we are here to be accountable to the resources you are giving through this ministry. Well, I want to thank you so much, Abijah. I know we didn't get to talk a lot, but I'm telling you, beautiful young lady, 15 years old, serving Christ already, and you're raising up others. Amen. Amen. William, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. about-